Hey guys, today's podcast is brought to you by GameFly.com. Sign up for a free 30-day trial when you visit www.gameflyoffer.com slash row. Over 8,000 new releases and classics available for your Xbox One, Xbox 360, PS4, PS3, PS Vita, Wii U, Wii, and 3DS. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. This is the World of Row Podcast, and introducing your host, standing at 6'5", weighing 225 pounds, from Alice, Texas, Roel Santos! Hey guys, how are y'all doing? Sit back and relax, and uh, turn up the volume because you're about to get into the World of Row Podcast. I am your host. My name is Roel. People like to call me Ro or Brosif. Not Brosif, Broel. That's the, that's what it is. Anyway, um, I'm a guy who uh, hasn't shaved in like a week. I need to shave my face. I'm a guy who is looking forward to the MLB playoffs. And I am also a guy who loves to have coffee now for breakfast. Or his morning ritual kind of thing. I'm a podcaster. I'm a loving husband. I'm a delightful father i'm an amazing friend but this is the show so welcome if this is your first time here i hope you enjoy if you're coming back hey welcome back and i try to do that like and let me try to do that again hey welcome back anyway uh, this podcast is available to you every single friday on itunes google play worldofrow.com stitcher any other podcasting app you use there's a couple of great ways that you can help out the show and one of them of course guys is to rate review and subscribe on itunes leave me a five-star review uh, say something nice if you really enjoy the show. Like, if you listen to the show and you're like, "Oh man, this is such a great show!" I look forward to Friday Roll the Roll, everything like that. Go leave that review on iTunes. I would really appreciate it if you could do that. Also, the other way is going to the Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash Roll the Roll. You could donate a couple of shekels to the show—a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. If you want to give more, that's even cooler. Um, it gives you access to bonus content for the show, uh, exclusive videos, things of that nature, which I need to start uploading some of that stuff. Now, I want to take time to shout out to the Patreon, and that is Aaron Castillo, my buddy. As always, thank you so much. You guys, there's still plenty of time. There's no rush. I would really appreciate it if you could do that because you are helping me. So thank you very much. And um, lastly, tell your friends about the show. Tell them about Patreon. Tell them about how you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or you check out the Facebook page or whatever. Tell me about this amazing podcast and how it gets you through your day and how this 55 minutes to an hour, sometimes hour 15 minutes or whatever, it just helps you relax or there's something funny that comes out of this conversation. And you could tell them how much you love it. Please. Right now. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys. All right. So how the hell are y'all doing? I am doing oh good, I think. Yeah, for the most part, I'm good. You know, last the this past week was just like a another blurry week, and I had this moment. Um, Sundays are usually Sunday fun days, right, for most people, and I wanted to have a Sunday fun day, and unfortunately, I couldn't. I had to work, and I got to tell you, it's been so aggravating not to be able to to do anything on Sundays with friends, family, especially family. But ah, oh, yeah. 
I almost bought an iPhone 7 on Friday. I had to like talk, I talked to myself out of it. Have you ever done that where you buy something where you want to buy something and you talk yourself out of it? You're like, oh man, I really want this. Uh, I want this iPhone or I want that Apple watch or I want, <clears throat> I want that movie or I want this video game or whatever. You're like dead set on getting it. You wake up, you're like, okay, I'm going to buy this fucking thing today. I'm going to buy this today. You're like, yeah, shit, this is my thing. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I had that on Friday morning. I even convinced the wife to like, we were both going to get new iPhones and it was just kind of like, all right, it's a done deal. We're going to do this. <clears throat> and then um, like an hour later after we, after I told my wife we were going to get it, she, uh, I texted her and I said, ah, you know what? We don't really need them. We have our nice phones here. Uh, we don't need this. So I, I talked myself off that ledge of buying an iPhone. And I've done that so many times. I've done that like in the past. I think I had a buddy that I worked with at GameStop, uh, Victor, you're, uh, Victor Trevino. If you're listening to this, I wanted to buy a GameCube. And he's like, I bet I can talk you out of buying it. I go, no, nah, you can't. We get a good discount, this and that. He's like, no, watch. By the end of the day, you're not going to want it. I was like, okay. So we're going back and forth. And then sure, sure as shit, Victor talked me out of buying it. <laughs> and it was probably the best decision that I made that day because I really did not need a GameCube because, I mean, I had an Xbox and a PS2. There was no need to buy another system. Anyway, th that was kind of like my th my weekend. Um, sometimes it gets really frustrating on my end with, with you know, working and stuff, like I like I mentioned before, and, um, you know, just not being able to spend time with family. But, you know... Anytime that we do have, whether it's a Sunday evening or a weekday, we try to make the most of it, at least what time we do have. But I try not to take it for granted. Sometimes, you know, things in life happen where you kind of like overwhelm yourself with what you're feeling and you kind of forget about it. And I've, I'm guilty of doing that. I am. But I think this this past weekend or the, the times lately when we hang out, I kind of put everything to the side. I try to. And I'm getting a lot better at it the older I get. Yeah, the older I get. That sucks. Anyway, <laughs> hey guys, I was actually on a couple of podcasts this week or this early in the week. So it's Tuesday. So Sunday I recorded a podcast and I was on Sean's horribly awkward podcast and he plastered it all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. If you guys, if we follow each other or if we're friends on Facebook, I actually was on his show. We did a little bit of improv. That was like the first time I've ever done some type of improv on a on a podcast, and I had a blast. Sean will be a future World of Row guest. That's all I'm going to say about that. He might be on here a couple of times. I'm for sure in the next month, he's you'll, you'll hear his voice on the show. Maybe sometime in December or something, you might hear him again. But uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. So it's like... um. That, I did that. Then, of course, my buddy Fear. You guys know Fear. He's been on episode 1, 10, and 25. Uh, he hosted 25. So he actually invited me on to his show, Fearcast. And we talked about horror movies. We talked about spooky stuff. And that's what his show, Fearcast, is all about. And I think that's probably coming out in the next week or so. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'll actually uh, plug that away on my social media. I had, I had fun. And uh, more, more things coming with Fear and I. That's all I'm going to say. And... Um, Yes, not just a fear cast, but more. But anyway, so guys, this week's guest, I have Caitlin Thompson on the podcast. Now, Clay, why did I say Clayton? I'm so sorry. And now, Kate, Caitlin and I have tried to do a podcast, or I've tried to get her on, on my show for probably about eight to nine months or something like that. And when I started the solo, solo show, I told her, I was like, hey, you got to come on my show. I'd love to talk to you. I know you have a lot to talk about. She works for ACAST and she's done so many things like work 
for Time Magazine, Washington Post. She has a podcast called The Main Draw, and that one's a great podcast if you're into tennis. And she just started a magazine. So it was like, hey, this is like this is like a no-brainer. Plug away. We talk. And we talk a little bit about the presidential race because, you know, Caitlin's line of work, as I keep trying to say, Clayton, Caitlin, I'm so sorry. I have a friend named Clayton. Anyway, <laughs> um, we had been, you know, we talk a little bit about that. And it was right around the time the first debate happened. So, of course, we, we had to talk about it and, and um, address some things. In the old, and we were just addressing the older that we're getting that we have to talk about. You know, we have to have some kind of type of concern because somebody's running our country nowadays and we don't want the biggest buffoon running the country. That's all I'm going to say about that. So if you guys are different supporters of me, hey, more power to you. I'm not here to talk to you about politics, but we talk a little bit about it just to kind of get a different perspective on things. So let's go ahead and talk to Caitlin now. It's a great conversation and I hope you enjoy. Are you walking? No, I'm. Uh, I'm on. Our office is in Soho. Soho, yes. So there's going to be some verisimilitude because we are right in the middle of a beautiful but very busy street where a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, but that's okay. It, it kind of adds to the ambiance, I think. Yeah, I mean, as long as you say, you know, coming to you live from She's, Lower Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll, you know. That'll 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 enhance the the quality. And everything. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> hey, so I'm so curious. What do you want to talk to me about? I, just whatever. I just I've been wanting to talk to you. Just you know, from a, I guess from a pod, podcasting perspective, uh, your magazine. I saw that, and your your podcast, a cast, how, yeah. everything in general. How how's everything going? Pretty good. I mean, you know, I have a two year old, and I'm doing a couple of different endeavors. My main passion and time spent is working on building Acast into what I hope becomes the main player in the podcast space. You know, yeah. there's a lot of very interesting people doing interesting work and I've been really privileged to be able to work with a bunch of really cool creators and help sort of drive what I hope is a bit of a revolution in the space. You yeah. know, I've been podcasting for 10 years. Have you so, really? Yeah. I launched my first podcast when I was at the Washington post.com in 2005 Wow. And that was at the early days, like editing XML files by hand, bouncing MP3s from Adobe Audition. Oh, my gosh. You know, it was cool, but it was also like the Wild West. So you could kind of do or try anything. Yeah. And that has always really appealed to me. So even though I ended up working in public radio, which, you know, obviously I adore, I kind of have a little bit of an outsider perspective when it comes to what makes for interesting audio content. Mm. I have, I don't. I don't need a show to be like public radio, even mm-hmm. though I, li- I like that fine. Right. I'm a little bit more interested in seeing what stuff is pushing the envelope or breaking format because one of the things that public radio hasn't always been good at, although it's getting better now, mm-hmm. is really drawing in new audiences. And podcasting is sort of meant to be like blogging was and sort of became. Right. A sort of meritocratic way of getting more people into the tent. You know, you didn't yeah. need somebody deciding a program director or a station manager deciding whether or not you were good enough. You could just make something, and then if it was good enough, it was going to find an audience. And right. so, to me, that's the appeal. Yeah, totally. So, ten years? Wow, I had no idea. I yeah, rem- not that many people have been doing it for ten years. There's a couple of us who yeah. are still sort of in the space. Yeah, I mean, because not even what Joe Rogan or or Marin or uh, who's the other guy? There's another one. 
Uh, He's the... He's Jimmy Kimmel's, like, best friend or whatever. Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla, yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, I you know, and those are all, like, white guy comedians who yeah. have <laughs> sizable audiences. And yeah, they, do they, do. Good, they do good work. You oh, know? yeah. Some yeah. of them do. But, you know, for me, <laughs> that's uh, it's a little less interesting than what I see happening now, which is, like, a show like Another Round, mm-hmm. which is BuzzFeed's show, mm-hmm. sort of nominally about, like, race and gender, but really just two people having an amazing conversation about what you know what's happening in America today and interviewing really luminous guests yeah. while drinking some cocktails like that kind of show is a lot of people's first podcast that's cool yeah that is cool so they're just kind of like going out there and and bashing not bashing but i guess what's how scary the world our country is going into today ironically we're today's monday and today's the first debate <laughs> kind of thing oh, yeah. You know, one of the best things I, I listened to on Another Round, uh-huh. when I first started listening to it, it launched a year ago in May. So it's, uh-huh. it's been, been around for like 18 months. And okay. one of the first things that I heard that I really fell in love with was, you know, obviously the hosts are hilarious. Tracy Clayton in particular, she's just like a ball of sunshine who yeah. has nothing but interesting sort of witty one-liners. But they were talking about self-care after Ferguson and how as two women of color, they found the internet obviously both a freeing and uh, a place full of opportunities but also a place that could be tremendously damaging being yeah. a woman on the internet sucks being a black woman on the internet sucks even worse as I understand it yeah. and them just kind of talking through that and it was the first time that I had really been invited into that kind of conversation Yeah. and I thought this is incredible because it's the most illuminating way I've heard race talked about and the real experiences of people who can sort of take me there yeah that i'd ever heard sorry no you're okay (laughs) you're okay hey it's okay you know so to me that that's the power of podcasts yeah because we can get into these conversations in a way that's you know yeah uh, you know morning edition doesn't do that no it doesn't i mean it's just kind of like on the surface stuff do you find it to be with your podcast, I mean, you're just, are you still doing the the tennis one? The tennis one. I sure am. Yeah, I am. I am. I yeah. enjoy. I enjoyed that one quite a bit, and I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And so the magazine took off. So far, so good. We've reached a lot of very cool people. People who, just to sort of back up, I have a tennis podcast mm-hmm. called The Main Draw, yes. which I've been doing for about three years with a guy named Chris Neary, who works at Gimlet. His day mm-hmm. job is working uh, on podcasts as well. Yeah. He and I used to see each other in the WNYC cafeteria. He was working on the media on the time, and I was running our political coverage. And we would just meet, and we found out that we both had played college tennis. And we would just launch into it and start talking about, sure, like the pros and the game, but also like who's the player who's most like a Bond villain. Or if you could <laughs> pick, you know... Uh, a pirate country to play <laughs> under a pirate flag for like the Davis cup, which is the international right. competition, like kind of like a mini Olympics that happens every year between yeah. countries. Like who would be on the pirate country? Cause they're like people without a nation. And like we would get into all these really funny, weird conversations that we just felt like we, it was hard to walk away from. Yeah. So we started making time to do them. And that really got me into and talking with a bunch of really interesting tennis people yeah, and having grown up playing and being a lover of print and the fact that indie magazines and print are really having a moment right now. Yeah. We decided to launch a quarterly because if you make something that's really high quality, you don't have, uh, and you charge money for it, mm-hmm. 
you don't have to have an enormous audience. I had worked at Time Magazine, and that was sold on the newsstand at the time for like two ninety nine. Wow, yeah, and I remember that. The circulation was like a million or two, so they were reaching a lot of people through ad sales. And then the internet came along, and ad sales plummeted. Right. And all of a sudden, their two ninety nine didn't pay for all this journalism that they were trying to do. Right. And that's so that was not the model that we wanted. We wanted, you know, ten twenty thousand people who really, really loved what we were trying to do mm-hmm. and make something beautiful and tangible for them. And make them pay for it, basically, by not putting anything on the internet and just saying, like, hey, if this is valuable to you, and we understand it's not going to be valuable to everyone, right? you got to be willing to pay 20 bucks for this thing. And and people are doing that. And that's incredibly encouraging, because it means, you know, I don't need a million of them, but I need 20,000. I think we can find that. So that's what's been occupying my very precious spare moments when I'm not doing podcasts. Yeah. So Time Magazine and the Washington Post, those are probably two of the most prestigious print media kind of thing that's been out in, in the U.S. for years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was very privileged to work at some cool places. You very know, Public cool. radio, obviously. Yeah. I worked uh, in public television for a little bit. I love being a journalist. I went to journalism school. Um, but I see this as a really weird time in media, um, mainly because they're... You know, there has been a real de-evolution in quality and attention span. Right. Uh, Quality of stuff being made, which is not to say great stuff isn't getting made, too. It's just getting lost among all the gross garbage on the Internet. Yeah. Um, You know, and people's willingness to go and find stuff. You know, right now, the biggest media company in the world doesn't make any media, which is Facebook. That's crazy. Yeah. Right? And, like, if if you're a journalist... You either have to hope that the algorithm benefits you and people want to share your stuff, right. or hopefully you can find something really special, whether it's a podcast or maybe a print magazine that's willing to trade smaller but more engaged mm-hmm. audience for for you know who actually is really going to be in, involved in, in the creation and distribution of your product. So yeah. I see it as a really interesting time for media, but also a really scary time. Like, right. You know, it, talking about the political context, like we have, you know, a know nothing <laughs> candidate and somebody who's incredibly qualified. And I don't say right. that as an ideologue. Sure. You know, but I say it as like, oh, this is the natural outreach of a media that only reinforces people, you know, believing what they believe. You know, right. 20 years ago, everyone read the Washington Post and everyone watched the evening news. Right. And so we could all sort of agree on the same set of facts. Mm hmm. And it seems like now we have half the country who's willing to have a conversation that's at least more fact-based and then other people who just want to share, you know, garbage. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough because, you know, the media is, is held accountable for this, uh, as we should be, but also, like, we've lost a lot of the power. Right. You know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Because people rely on Facebook for their news and uh, saying, well, this is, this is what this one's saying and this one's that. This one's... What, you get the idea. So, I mean, it's just kind of like, whoa, this is just a strange place to be in. And I yeah. never looked at it in, in that perspective. And you know what it is? I think it's because the older I'm getting, the more and more I'm starting to care about right. the next president. What kind of, of policy course. this? Do you have a daughter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and yeah. people were like, I don't care. My vote doesn't matter. And I'm just like, you know what? No, it does matter. So, I mean, my vote. <laughs> Your vote actually does matter. You're in Texas. I mean, you're, you know. <laughs> it's not going to determine. I mean, if you're going to vote for a Democrat, it's probably not that you no. know, yeah. important. But you know what? Like, 
every bit of turnout matters because if you guys can turn that state purple, yes, then then and I, again, I don't say this as an ideologue. I say this as like I'm somebody who believes people should actually engage and talk with each other, and like you know because of the way that our political system. And you're talking to somebody who, when I was at the Washington Post at a time, I covered politics. So yeah. forgive me for getting really wonky, but like no. you know, a lot of these systems are created to like amplify. Um, you know, amplify existing power structures, not challenge them. And so if you actually had a popular vote or you actually had, um, you know, a situation where people in cities were represented as equally as people in rural areas in, in government, we would have a very different conversation. You know, like Congress has been gerrymandered like crazy. So you'll have one county that's 100% red next to one county that's 100% blue and those are people who talk to each other and they're looking at two totally different versions of Facebook Yeah. so there's not even a similar set of like you know American ideas or, or conversations that people are having with each other you know and I don't I, I don't think that that's very American I think we should actually be engaging and and, and talking about stuff because right. you know it's not like there's no problems you know right yeah definitely not so, I mean definitely yeah. is yeah that's what I mean yeah and you know I I, I originally grew up in Canada, so I'm a little bit uh, more sort of... An open perspective or open mind kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, we have a representative parliament, you know, like, it's and in in Canada, most people aren't ideological in the sense that they only seek self-reinforcing facts, and you know, again, not to have too much of a political conversation here, but that's not interesting like, it's interesting to have somebody who's willing to sit down with you in good faith and talk to you about you know any particular subject and so i would love for us to get back there the media used right. to help facilitate it now it doesn't as much yeah um but my larger argument is it's hard for the media too if they don't control right uh the distribution if it's all through algorithms and facebook right and facebook doesn't want to show you something that you won't like or something that might challenge your beliefs if they can get you to click more and last longer on a story if it if it totally reinforces what you already think yeah that's true you know yeah so that's that's one reason i love podcasts you can get into somebody's ears Mm -hmm. and you can really have a nuanced conversation and i think frankly some of the best political conversations have been happening on podcasts like i was just talking about another round specifically but you know what another round interviewed hillary clinton wow uh this uh this past uh about a year ago okay you know in the in the fall and they asked her some of the best questions that any journalists asked because they were talking about mandatory minimum sentencing laws and how that sort of decimated a generation of african-american men and if she could go back and and have another conversation with her husband and people in leadership at the time would she have done the same things and uh, you know they weren't attacking her it wasn't a gotcha situation but it was a really substantive conversation about you know did our zeal to be you know, cutting down on crime lead to some really incredibly racist policies that, that had terrible outcomes. Right. Yeah, probably. Let's talk about that. Let's not, you know, like, you know, that was Republicans and Democrats who made those laws. And so right. how do how do we learn from that? And we're certainly not going to learn from it if we don't talk about it. Right. You know, so to me, some of the best political conversations are happening on, you know, shows like Special Relationship, which is a collaboration between BuzzFeed and Mike and the economist where they talk to people who are watching the U S election from a, a British perspective. Right. And you better believe the Brits have, you know, something to say after Brexit and, you know, the similarities between the people who voted to, to leave the European union and the mm-hmm. people who are voting for Trump, those are very similar types of movements. And it's interesting to, 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 to have it out in that perspective. Yeah. 
You know, I saw you were talking about that right now. You know, succeeding from the union. I had seen like um, uh, an article about that in Texas. Ironically, you know, because I'm yeah. from Texas, three out of five people said that if Hillary won, that they wanted to, uh, you know, secede from secede? the union. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was That's just, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I come from Quebec. Yeah, my my hometown is Montreal, and about once a decade. Quebec tries to secede from Canada. <laughs> this is crazy. And you know what? The funny thing is, is that you have to remind a lot of these people like, hey, you know, um, Texas wasn't really part of the states. You know that, right? I mean, it, right. it was kind of taken from Mexico at one point, you know, but I don't... I think we should let Texas secede, but then make Mexico take it over. Uh, that would be cool. I, would... I mean, Mexico probably wouldn't be that into it. No, I'm I, sure. <laughs> but I think, I, I think that they probably deserve it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, you know, it's it's weird. I mean, at at my job, I was I was there, and I had some guy trying to cram down my throat what I should, who I should vote for, and that I should vote, and I should make the right choice. And and I mean, without trying to get into too much political conversation with him, I I was just like, well, you know, I have common sense. I'll make the right decision, you know. And he's like, then he starts going into this whole right to bear arms kind of thing, and it's just like. <laughs> Texas is so concerned. A lot of people are concerned about their guns being taken, and I, I'm so sick of hearing that. I mean, I don't know if that that can't possibly happen. And I mean, there was a town hall meeting that Obama did back in, I think it was in Iowa, back in maybe June or July, and he really hammered home what he was what he was talking about. While this, you know, the person, I don't know if you saw that, but the guy was kind of basically accusing him and Hillary of taking away their guns, and he kind of just said, "No, we just want to." enforce laws and become strict and have things in place to where it doesn't get out of control and he made a reference to like a like a drive, driving without a license or not wearing your safety belt kind of thing and did you see yeah. that yeah yes i did and it's interesting because i'm a pretty i have very specific opinions on gun control i don't want my kid growing up in a society of sure. guns yeah i don't i don't like guns either so i mean i mean uh, i come from a country where we don't have automatic assault rifles <laughs> and we also don't have mass shootings so right you know, exactly seems pretty obvious uh <laughs> what the correlation is there yeah but it's interesting like on that particular point like the the left has actually moved so far to the center and the right keeps moving farther and farther right like should you have bazookas absolutely not like right should people who have domestic violence uh, assault uh, convictions on their records by guns no like yeah. this is not you i you can have the right to bear arms because our constitution says that you can yeah that doesn't include the idea that I get to be terrorized by your assault rifles when I go into a public space, which is right. something that we're living with. It's a reality that we yeah. live with in this country. And anybody who's lived in another country um, feels immediately the sense of peace that you get. And I've lived in China. I've lived in wow. Spain. I've lived in, um, you know, obviously Canada. Like, these yeah. are places that there's a lot of problems and not everything is gumdrops and lollipops. But guess what? You don't feel like you might get mowed down in a mall. Right. Like, it's bananas to me. Um, and so, like, I I understand why people, when they feel fearful, mm -hmm. get small and suspicious of each other. But I right. also think that's another symptom of us not talking to each other. Right. Like, anybody who has half brain in their head should not be opposed to mandatory safety checks or gun locks or background checks. Because mm -hmm. Do they want to live in a world where people who have, you know, been convicted for being violent uh, have access to incredibly powerful weapons that are only meant to kill people? Like, you know, I, this is not something I speak about a lot. Sure. But it's just, 
it's just crazy. I also live in a state uh, and, a, and in a city where we had a Republican mayor, who is one of the best mayors we've ever had in the city, make it all but impossible to get guns. And as a result, we have almost no homicide. Wow. And people who don't live in New York City think, oh, it's this crazy city. Everyone's walking around uh, trying to murder you. And yeah. that's just absolutely not the case. Most right. of the ways that you get killed by guns is by, you know, uh, domestic, like people you know who have many, many, many guns. And right. that just is, is crazy to me that you you need to live in a world with that. Like, maybe let people who hunt have a rifle. I sure. don't know. Like, I, I'm willing to go that far, but not much farther, to be honest. So, right. again, I, I, I don't think other than an emotional response that is very much having to do with racism and misogyny, mm-hmm. think that any of these political ideas are on the face of it. Once you start talking about the facts, the facts, and this is true of people who have a response to Hillary. And I'm not defending Hillary or particularly, sure. you know, trying to promote her. It's right, just, right. When you really pin people down, what is it you don't like? The emails. Well, do you know what's in the emails? No. Yeah. Do you know what, oh, well, Benghazi, do you know what happened in Benghazi? No. I just don't trust her. Okay, well, is, she's a woman. I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 it has nothing to do with that. Right. You're like, really? Okay. Like, oh, well, Obama, he's other. He... I don't think he was born here. Why? Here's his birth certificate. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just other. Something's not right. Oh, okay. my gosh. But I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, no, no. That's pretty much. Like, yeah. you, you have no facts whatsoever. You just are racist. Sorry. Yeah. That's it. Like, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about uh, the worst thing you could call a white person is racist. I agree. No white people are racist. They won't say. No, I'm not racist. Nobody <laughs> I know is racist. It's like, really? How do we have, like, on... Uh, a system that is that is uh, built to you know redlining and access to home loans and you know incarceration rates and violent encounters with police really that has nothing to do with race okay <laughs> you know yeah so anyway wow. uh, again if we all sort of started talking to each other and having dialogues <laughs> uh, maybe this would help and you know I, yeah. I'm of a believer that listening to podcasts is a good place to start no it, it is very much a, a great. Uh a great place to 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 say say what say what you feel and say what you want to feel. Do you ever go deep in terms of like speaking about yourself, like having like a pretty deep thorough conversation? I mean, I know that on the on the main draw it's kind of limited because you're really talking tennis talk and um man, I, I this is cool. I can hear the wind. It feels legit. I feel like I'm talking to you like outside right. or something. Yeah. <laughs> a New York a New no. York afternoon. And then that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. It it adds to it. Anyway, so um do you do you find yourself having these type of conversations more and more on your podcast or you're kind of just staying away from it or you just but you're doing all these other things to where you can have these conversations yeah, i mean you know uh on occasion on the tennis podcast it'll come up mm-hmm. uh some of the people who are the crazies on twitter oh gosh and the crazies on twitter anybody who's on twitter knows that there's lots of crazies being yes. a woman on twitter sucks being a person of color on twitter sucks you know like it's tough but it's still yeah one of the most vibrant conversations around. Right. I'm just going to let this helicopter go. Yeah, go right me. ahead. Yeah, go right ahead. That sounded like a jet more than Yeah, anything. I know. It was just a helicopter. <laughs> um, it's interesting because uh, one thing that happens in our sort of platform age is that you know, people start yelling and then other people start piling on and then it becomes like kind of a dumpster fire. So, right. you know, tennis, we're talking about, you know, Johnny a sport. people have a lot of opinions, but generally it's not. Yeah, I got I started getting gaslit out of nowhere by all these Novak Djokovic fans. Are you serious? 
Yeah, it was crazy. And I like the guy. I mean, I've met him. I played tennis with him. Wow. Uh, we talk about him on the show. Sometimes we make fun of him because he went through a period where he liked to tear his shirt open <laughs> um, after we won matches. But, you know, there's not uh, there's not that I anything that I particularly dislike about him. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I love about having a tennis podcast, as I'm sure I'm talking to somebody who has an NBA podcast. Yes. You know, you, you like to be sort of an equal opportunity, like critic right and you're like oh kevin garnett yeah. he's a loud mouth but like gotta love that heart you know like yeah. it's part of the conversation and yes. uh after the u.s open where he got really criticized for uh calling a medical timeout and there was some sort of echoes of gamesmanship i didn't even weigh in on it because i didn't really care yeah. um but the novak djokovic fans were out like crazy the next day just trying to gaslight any journalist that they'd ever encountered who'd said anything negative about novak djokovic yeah and they found a tweet from four years ago huh. where um, I criticized him for tearing open his shirt. And they were like, Kaylin Thompson, what? She's a hater. Like, she, <laughs> she is incredibly biased. And I was like, dude, I make fun of everybody's clothes. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? Is this your, you know, evidence? But it was really interesting because it was such low stakes. Like, you know, I can stand by my body of work and people can figure out how I feel about tennis. And I try not to be a jerk to any one particular player um, or any about one particular thing. Um, but the i the way that people started just piling on ideologically made a lot of sort of uh sense when you look at it in the way that people have political discourse on twitter like i was willing to when it when people first started critiquing me i was like oh no you know actually i like him but i thought his t shirt tearing stuff was crazy here's yeah. a video of me hitting with him that we did for time <laughs> and we're like being pretty friendly and goofing around i don't yeah. hate him you know and then it was just it wasn't like it became clear like they didn't want to have a a factual conversation based on like, Hey, can we all admit it's kind of stupid that he tears his shirt open? Like, you know, uh, and instead it became this like crazy, crazy thing where they just saw me as somebody who they needed to see as an enemy of Novak Djokovic. And they were doing it to all these other journalists wow. and all the journalists sort of talk about it. And again, like the stakes are low. I didn't feel like I, I, I was sort of personally attacked for having bias and all this stuff, but it, you know, they yeah. don't know me. So it never really, you know, hit close to home, right. but it was an interesting example of the way that people, you know, if people don't want to have a conversation, mm -hmm. they just want to sort of yell, yeah. they can amplify each other in a way that it can become deafening. And when I think about that, and I think about like being a woman in, in, on the internet or certainly being a person of color, which I am not, to be clear, right. um, but I do try at, you know, my best to, to find opportunities to, to understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was yeah. sort of like, oh yeah, if people just want to want to make your life miserable and harass you, it's not hard for them to do that. And so, you know, a lot of people I know have not been on, have quit Twitter, or have quit Facebook. And, you know, that's, that's their choice. And right. I, you know, if, if things got so abusive for me, I would probably do that too. But yeah. it's, it's sort of, that to me is like where things, you know, and I also, I travel a lot. I, I went to college in the Midwest. Like I've certainly met many, many Republicans um, uh, who are really interested in having a civilized conversation with me who I'm definitely more progressive. I mean, I'm a gay woman, um, yeah. but I'm always happy to have that conversation. It's when people decide to call names and not listen and be ideological instead of fact-based. Yeah. Then I start to get really sort of like, okay, I'm not interested in having that conversation. Wow. So do you get name called? Yeah. I mean, on occasion, but wow. again, just, you know, pretty, pretty, Pretty rarely. I don't really put myself out as a political person. I think being, I am glad I'm not, this is the first presidential election I'm not having anything to do with. Um, and I think the race has gotten so ugly and the vitriol that's being traded 
it's mo- mostly been, you know, Trump has created an atmosphere of hate in a way that is yeah. unlike anything we've seen before. Just and, and I will pin it on him. It's it's. Oh, it's one hundred percent him. I would agree with you on that. He's done that, um, and I think that has made me pretty glad that I'm sitting it out because I think it's a it's not a time. It's unfortunately not a time where having a measured sort of dialogue is going to be productive. Right. And I remember thinking like when I was on the campaign trail with like John McCain, this is before he announced Sarah Palin as his VP mm-hmm. and it was going to be John McCain and Hillary or maybe John McCain and Barack Obama who had yet to win a bunch of battleground early States. Right. Uh, or uh, primaries. You know, I remember thinking like, Oh, this is going to be really good for democracy. Like John McCain is not an ideologue. Right. Barack Obama is like kind of a pragmatist. Like imagine the kind of cool conversation we could have about this country, right? you know, about taxes or about immigration or about women or about, you know, parenting or pollution that we could all sort of agree our problems and then just have an interesting dialogue about how to fix them. Right. You know, and then it all went downhill when he nominated Sarah Palin and then it became like name calling and, you know, it's just kind of like, Oh man, you know, well, she kind of didn't help her situation either. (laughs) Well, she wasn't interested in, in, in being a leader she wanted oh. to be a uh, an ideologue gotcha. and that to me is like i keep using that word because it's it's accurate like that yeah. people who value uh ideology over facts and reality are not that's not the way that we can conduct a civilized conversation in this country and we used to be able to like remember right. the debates between like bob dole and bill clinton you know like yeah those were adults talking to each other and yeah there was some other shenanigans going on because it's politics but yeah it wasn't this. It, it seemed. Like, it seemed like even in, in the 2012 that that I that Romney and, and Obama were kind of trading barbs at each other here and there. Yeah, kind of. And those are pretty like two pretty dry candidates. Like I actually right. think a Mitt Romney presidency probably would have been pretty fine. Yeah. You know, like that is not. Uh, that's somebody who like capably led a uh, democratic state as governor and like instituted some reforms that were then turned into Obamacare because yeah. those are actually like Republican ideas that people agreed could be functional so like that's an example of non-ideology trumping i hate to use that word uh winning out over over people clinging to to something that they needed to to believe because it made them feel a certain way and so to me i would love to get back to that and i think the more we can talk to each other yeah the more chance that has so so we're not really talking to each other anymore that's no it's it's more of like a like a finger pointing and and calling each other out and getting into like have you met a single person who's not decided in this election i have uh no i haven't right yeah it's but being in being in texas i hear a lot more um i I hear more people pretty aggressive about trump i mean i've heard you know like some veterans tell me that they were supporting him and and somebody and somebody told me this and again i'm like kind of I'm not in the middle. I'm definitely not going Trump. I, I'm. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna vote for Hillary more than likely. But what I'm. I mean, I don't know if anybody's gonna like me after I say that. But I mean, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm trying to be funny. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You saved me there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No. Cue the laugh line. Yeah. 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 No. Um. But I've had people tell me, well, he's like, oh, this guy's a Hillary supporter, and I go, no, it's not. It's not just I'm a Hillary supporter. I just have common sense. <laughs> Right. Like, you know, come on. I mean, no, I mean, a, a guy who has lied about everything and won't and actually isn't a rich person. Yeah. Uh, who's proud of of screwing everyone in his business deals. We're going to give this guy the code and ask him to keep like world security. Like, no, no sorry. not a good idea. Yeah. 
So, so okay, so ta- so did you ever interview any other president? I mean, have you interviewed a president before? Have you talked to a president, met a president? Man, that's I've like four never. questions. Sorry. Let's see. Have I? Uh, I briefly in college interviewed Bill Clinton when wow. I was working for the Missouri, uh, the Missouri newspaper yeah. uh, in Columbia. Um, that doesn't really count. I was 21, and I think he was doing us all like a favor by sitting down with the student journalists. But was, um, I'm sure you know, he was, seemed like a nice guy, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a magnetic person who had incredible command of a lot of ideas in his head. Like, was he the greatest president ever? Um, no, but I think he was definitely one of the most capable we've ever had. Yeah. Um, and which is not to say that I agree with everything he did, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, he was he was somebody who relished the idea of problem solving and thinking big ideas. And I liked. You know, it's like when you sit down with somebody really smart who has a creative energy about them because mm-hmm. they're going to use this intelligence to make something. And I think he was that kind of person. Yeah. Um, you know, I sat down with Dennis Kucinich, who ran for president. I met, um, uh, I interviewed Mike Huckabee, mm-hmm. um, who I found very pleasant but pretty dumb. Um, and I just say, I just say like, he's, he was a simple person who only really believed that God had ordained him, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, and that's fine for being a preacher, but I think also like, you know, leading, leading a country with a nuanced political system requires more of a, a, a willingness to grapple with problems and you yeah. have to really like that. And he wasn't like that. John McCain was a really captivating person for that reason. He had similar kind of creative energy than Clinton. He had a very different vibe, yeah. but he really did relish the idea of, okay, the, the world is filled with problems. What can I do to solve them? And I really respect that. I admire it. And I yeah. think, you know, when I think about people I admire in um, any particular field, it's the ones who are, who are willing to think through and work on stuff and also kind of willing to change their mind. Like, I think that's a great thing. Like the idea that, you know, just like we've been talking about, yeah. if you sit down with somebody and they make a really good case for why they believe something that you don't and they are respectful and you're having sort of a constructive way of getting there yeah, and you can very much leave with your mind changed or at least your position sort of evolved. And I think that's something if you're not open to, like that's, you're missing out on a fundamental part of being a human being, which is like the ability to like learn and grow, you know? And yeah. so the best politicians, well, I shouldn't say best politicians, the best sort of people in politics who I ever encountered were those type of people who were kind of willing to evolve. And in some, t- some, in some cases that means changing your mind or learning new things and wanting to learn those new things and wanting to understand something better. And that's cool because we live in a complex world and I want to be surrounded by people who are always trying to grapple with it in a, as constructive a way as possible. You know, we both have right. young kids. I want the world that my kid grows up in to be more, civil and more oriented towards collaborative engagement than it is now. Right. And I think there's a lot of things hindering it, but I think it starts with just a willingness to have your mind open or closed. Yeah. It seems that it's, it's definitely not like that anymore. So you, you were, you were talking about interviewing Clinton and for Columbia university, you said Columbia university, the university of Missouri, university of Missouri. Sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you kind of made your, you, traveled quite a bit i mean so girl growing up in quebec and then how long have you been in new york now uh almost a decade it'll be a decade this coming summer so wow. nine years ago yeah and you know i lived in china for a while and Jeez. that was a really good example of i worked as a journalist there and that was a really good example of like i've lived in a non-democracy before most people haven't and there were a lot of 
downsides yeah. to that. And there was also some interesting stuff that I learned from it too, that I'm happy to have had the experience of, you know, having lived there. And right. so, you know, all of these things kind of made me want to be in the middle of the conversation as yeah. a person. And so that's why I've always been attracted to media and certainly New York, but I, you know, I travel quite a bit. I go to Sweden a lot for work. I go to London quite a bit. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, ACAST you know. is out there in Sweden. Is it in London, exactly. London too? Yeah, wow. exactly. Wow. You know, um, and I'm on the West coast a, a good amount as well. And like, to me, I don't want to stop growing and evolving. And I think for me, like I always kind of figured there would be something after journalism because mm -hmm. when I went to journalism school, we were taught early on, like journalism was a really hard profession. You're not going to make any money. Nobody's going to want to give you a job. Mm -hmm. And this was when media was doing well. You know, wow. this was kind of before the internet, internet had de decimated a lot of um, advertising revenue. And so I always kind of had the attitude like, this is cool. I'm going to do this as long as I can. And then I'll go back to college and like get a master's degree in something. And so I'm still kind of thinking like, if this doesn't work out, I'll do that too. But I don't, if I felt like I stopped learning, I would stop. And the times that I've left jobs, like I was at WNYC, which was a great place to be mm -hmm. for almost five years, but I stopped learning stuff. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to go into something new. I'm going to work for a tech company that is based internationally, and I'm going to help be part of a new movement in podcasting instead right. of sort of sitting on the sidelines from a legacy media organization, mm -hmm. you know, kind of watching passively, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did, how did that come to be with ACAST? How did that start out? Um, I was uh, recruited by the uh, global director of content, Adam, mm -hmm. um, which was great and fun. Um, and I wasn't exactly looking for a new job. I liked working at WNYC, but I found it, I had stopped learning and I kind of felt like I'd gotten all I could out of that experience. And these guys kind of came out of nowhere and were talking about changing the landscape, which really appealed to me. And it's a lot yeah. harder than right. my old job because you know, a lot of people in public media, like the jobs are kind of easy, they're cushy, you know, like mm -hmm. there's not a lot of fresh blood that comes into that, those spaces and challenges things and shakes things up. But right. at the same time, like that's kind of a bad thing because it means you stop learning. So yeah. I was really eager to try something new and it felt like, I don't know if you felt like this, but when I had a kid, I was kind of like, you know what, if I'm going to spend time away from this kid mm -hmm. who I love very much, I want to only do stuff that's really exciting and we, really holds my attention. Otherwise, I'll just happen to be home, you know? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that. I'm coming to a point now where I, I'm I'm starting to feel like that, actually. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's, she's two, and, you know, not to get too, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I actually said this on my monologue the other day. So I was talking about how I, I had to – so I, I, work, I work for a cell phone company. I won't say who. <laughs> but uh, I had to deal with an iPhone launch, and I didn't. I barely spent any time at home with my wife or my daughter, and I didn't even see them one day. You know, and that was kind of frustrating. That was aggravating to me, and I'm I'm just I'm missing out on some crazy time or precious time. You know, hearing her talk, putting sentences together, doing things, and I'm missing it. Or family functions, birthday parties, things of that nature on weekends because I basically don't have weekends off. My weekends usually. Or in, during the week, if I have right. consecutive days off, and it's to that point now where I'm just totally. like, I'm getting to that point where like I don't, I'm tired of that shit kind of stuff, you know? Kind of, yeah. And I feel like for me, working, and this is also like my passion project. Like I don't really drink anymore. I mean, I like to, you know. Wow, yeah, yeah. I, like I, a, I remember that one episode. You were having some wine there. You were feeling pretty good. It was bourbon. That oh, was yes. bourbon. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm a bourbon drinker. Um, yeah. 
you know, I'll still have an occasional glass of bourbon, but you know, like having more than one waking up the next morning with the kid is pretty yeah. brutal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't socialize as much as I did, you know, and I don't feel like I need to. Right. Um, you know, so for me, it's like, okay, what am I going to do with my time that I can be putting something into the world, something creative, something useful. And so I started doing this tennis magazine with my partner, David, mm -hmm. and it's been incredibly fulfilling. Nice. Um, you know, and I'm hope I'm hopeful that, uh, it will continue to grow. And if we can reach, you know, about 10,000 subscribers, we're around 2000 now. That's good. Um, we can be self-sustaining. So, you know, any listeners who want to subscribe, <laughs> go to racketmag.com. It's racket with a C Q U E T. <laughs> I had a wonderful time, and I hope that you had a wonderful time listening to this podcast. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for being on the podcast. Guys, follow her on Twitter at Caitlin underscore Tumps. Not O-N, but Tumps. She's got that podcast, like I mentioned, The Main Draw. Check it out. Also, if you uh, like tennis, check out their magazine, too. There's a lot of stuff going on for her. And it was one of, one of the shows that I was kind of looking forward to. Again, we talked about it briefly in, on the podcast where we were just like trying to get together and have this happen and it was just it was just one of those things it was, it was great it was so awesome so guys thank you for your support again you can support me by going to the patreon page patreon.com slash world of row you can go to itunes and write a review tell your friends come on tell your friends about me tell them i don't know what i was doing right there tell them spread the word Love, 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 all that stuff. Check out worldofro.com for all past episodes and interesting things that I have going on. Facebook.com slash worldofro is the World of Row Facebook page. To give it a like, thumbs up, comment. Also, Twitter and Instagram and Vine at Roel Santos Jr. I use Snapchat. I don't even know what the heck my username is, so I'm not even going to plug that. Um, I think we got everything. You can email me at roelsjr at gmail.com. You can drop a line, comment. If you want to be on the podcast and you're a comedian or somebody that wants to tell your story, actor, whatever, let me know there. It would be awesome to talk with you and we would have a great conversation. So, um, guys, this has been the World of Row. I hope you've enjoyed the show and stay tuned as the World of Row turns. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll catch you next week.